0: Yo, good news. Good fucking news. That last one, we're gonna forget that ever happened. It never happened. I'm back. I got this shit working. We're using a different app. Fuck Zoom. I can't stand that shit anymore. I've never used it before, but the victory is among us. And uh, this is what's up. Um. So yeah without further ado we're actually gonna start this shit um i'm gonna bring on my guest for the day who is leo who is an amazing person and has an amazing story and it's gonna be fucking sweet um i'm going to unmute them right now and uh, here we go all right can you hear me i can hear you can you hear me yes yes And they Holy see shit, that's you. further than we've gotten.
1: Perfect. Holy cow,
0: it's crazy. It's crazy. Things are happening.
1: I love it. I love it so much. Now I just need to
0: mute D because she's messaging me like crazy and I can hear it on my thing. And of course, things can't go perfect.
1: Of course not. Of course not. Why would they go perfect? I don't know how
0: to do it. Uh, mute notifications for however long. Okay, cool. Okay, so... The basis of this, of this podcast is to hear people's stories, okay? Um, and you've got a fucking story.
1: Yo, I got all the stories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, basically, um, the question that I asked, and I asked myself in my last video, is, who are you? And we know you're Leo, right? Yep. Um, but, Why? are you, Leo? What 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 event, what events, what people, what places made you who you are? And I know that's a loaded question, especially for you. Um, yeah. But honestly, I'm just going to let you tell your story because this podcast is here to help people, and I feel like having you on is going to help more people than anyone else.
1: Hey! Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You know, uh, I always tell people like I don't do everything well. That's a common misconception. Um, but the thing, the thing that I do well, and I, I, it's kind of funny to say that, but the thing that I do well is is communicate. Like, um, that is my one ace in the hole. That is the. The cornerstone of any um, strength I have as a person, career strength, personality strength, is like I'm a communicator. A small group, large group, whatever, one person, one thousand people, put me in front of them, I'm incredibly comfortable with that. And so, when you're a good talker, you can you can you sound like you know what you're saying about many things. Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah. So you give me a chance to talk, and like we might have to put a like put a time limit on this here. So. yeah, so uh, for those of you who are watching this on video, I do apologize. I can only see like kind of a corner of Mike's uh, face and it's not live video. So if I appear to be wandering, it's just because I'm, I'm just talking to a random technical picture of my friend Mike Technical
0: here. difficulties. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we haven't had any technical difficulties. No, I don't not, at not at all. Not at all, not at all. So I like to dialogue a lot. So feel free to like chime in. I won't feel interrupted because um, I didn't prepare anything in specific for this, uh, and you can ask my debate partner from high school, I had the same debate partner um, throughout my high school years, my friend Morgan, and we still message each other all the time about debate and stuff, this is great human. Um, But I would do our, uh, she would do the research for our constructive speeches, um, and I would do, like she would do the the nine minute constructives and I would do the rebuttals, uh, which had to be completely off the top of your head. Um, so she would come in with like five or six, you know, full pages of notes, and I would come in with a sticky note with three bullet points on it, (laughs) um, and so, and so I would just kind of, I just kind of vibe and talk for free up there, so I can, I can do that. That's a thing I can do, so, um, but I like, I like the interaction, the back and forth too, so, um. Yeah, so let me give you like a brief introduction to who I am. Uh, for those of you who are watching, my name's Leo WT. Um, if you look me up online, everything is Leo WT. Trying to keep some tight branding there because I do a lot of things. And so if I can use the hashtag Leo WT so people can find me, that's what I do. Um, anywhere I go, I introduce myself Leo WT. Um, no one can say or spell my last names, uh, my wife and I's last names. Uh, so we just go with WT, you know what I mean? Five letters and a hashtag, you found me. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> That's all you need. That's all you need right there. That is concise branding. There is no serifs on my font. Very clean, very concise, very there, right? Um, and you look at hashtag Leo WT and you can find a myriad of things, which I, is is I think kind of fun, you know, um, it, when it comes to my story, I, I always tell people that like, it, it only sounds like I'm um, like I'm a sociopath when I tell my story, but I swear to God, there's like Facebook pictures to back up everything. I'm telling you, none of it is a lie. <laughs> um, but so I always say that I wanted my life to be like a, like a coloring book, very, very vibrant and different on every page. And so that's kind of what my life has been like so far. Um, my parents kind of instilled in me uh, the belief that like I can really try anything I want to. You know, they never really like coddled me and made me think I could 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 do absolutely anything, right? Because there are limitations in place, but they never once stopped me from trying anything. And I always say that um, you know it has to be. It had to be really weird to be my parents because they raised me to be like independent and free thinking and creative and strong willed. And then I became all of those things. And then like we disagreed about things in the future. So like the person they taught me to be like, ah shit, you know. But, um, so yeah, so I'm Leo WT, I currently am a salon owner and hairdresser in uh, rural western New York, pretty close to Mike here, I don't know how big the reach is, um, but when I describe our area, I like to, uh, people ask me where I'm from, and I like to start off by saying a decade ago. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. It is, it is, yeah, well, like when I go to Los Angeles and stuff, we have to introduce ourselves in front of like big hair industry professionals, I'm like, I'm from a decade ago in western New York. Um, But yeah, we're a really small town, um, but weirdly enough, I don't want to get too much into the demographic data, but like I'm a nerd about this sort of thing. Our town is a town of uh, 14,000. We are 96% white, I believe. Um, And it's very heavily like kind of Polish and Catholic in our area. But weirdly enough, even though we are so rural, our city of Olean is is the urban center which is crazy to me it's crazy it's the, the urban center for our area um and while our county is one of the smallest in terms of population in new york state we're one of the largest geographic counties in new york state so that's just a little bit of a background of who we are and where we are um but being myself in olean the current page of the coloring book being a hairdresser in this rural, urban setting because it is both, you know? Um, it's very interesting because I am uh, I am a non-binary, trans, masculine, human. <laughs> yes. I was assigned, it's all of the things like, and I don't even really like, like all the words, but I'm trying to like cast a wide net so that people can see similarities to themselves in my story, you know? Um, so I am a, yeah, you know, non-binary, trans-masculine, uh, human. I I identify as queer. My, uh, wife, she's so hot. Uh, (laughs) my wife, uh, identifies as a lesbian, and that's been a page in the storybook that we did a lot of coloring on, a lot of work on. But we own this wonderful, vibrant, very, very, um, out-of-category salon in Olean. And it's been the most beautiful experience because we realized that if we were here, and we felt like we didn't have a space. There were other people around here that felt like they didn't have a space. And so this page of the coloring book is vibrant and it's different and it's exciting and it's new and it's gender fluid and it's intersectional and it's multiracial. Basically everyone belongs at our salon and everyone who Who, especially those who feel like they don't belong elsewhere, like you can have a space to be you at our salon. And I'm not even trying to plug our business. I don't feel a need to drop our name, but to understand who I am, you can kind of understand it by the context that we've created. So, um, and you've been to the salon, so I'm sure, I'm I'm hoping you're picking up on the vibes.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. There's There's a reason I kept coming back.
1: Yes, this is what we like. This is what we like. So currently I'm sitting here and I'm looking around at our space and uh, we have this kind of um, warehouse looking space. Uh, really, really high ceilings, exposed piping, exposed trusses. Um, very, very like urban looking and we're right in the middle of Olean, New York. You know, I have a giant five foot tall sculpture of a fist plastered in racist sayings um, from Only Olean residents. It just since the George Floyd protest and solely on public Facebook forums. Like, it's just, it's very much not what you would expect in Olean, and I take great pride in that. You should, <laughs> as you should. Yeah. So much of my life, really, who I am—it's hard to narrow down because so much of my life is, is paradoxical and it's intersectional. And I've always been this way from the very earliest, thing, like, times of my life. Um, you know, I understood myself to be like both an artist and a jock, both a bookworm and a skater, both—you know—I mean, like, all of these different things. Um, and, and even up into like, here I am. Uh, you know, I, I am, I am. Uh, a lesbian and i identify as a christian at the time i came out um i am now currently a person who feels both masculine and feminine like to be leo is to exist in a world of complete paradox um and i think that that caused me like a lot of strife for a long time right there was like there was psychological discord there but what i've come to realize is that for me personally i feel most myself when i embrace The paradox and I embrace the the, both poles and I'm just like I am expansive Um, and that's why I like the word queer because I'm not one thing or the other Um, and I think that that's why that's why I feel passionate about putting my story out there because no I don't really care if people know who I am at the end of the day but what I care is that people can follow the Leo WT hashtag, can come to WT Hair, can can go on the conversations page, can do those things, and they can find some sort of something to grasp onto that makes them feel like they're not alone, you know? Um, and that's kind of why I feel the need to be very vocal.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so let's uh... – let's, you know what, let's, let's move a little bit because yeah, I, let's do it. I feel, I feel like your, your story is, is awesome. Yeah. And it's great, but I yeah. feel like what, what's becoming of it is even better.
1: Hey, I like that. I'm going to take that and roll with
0: it. Roll with it. Roll with <laughs> it. Yeah, man. Hit me. Um, what you got? what you think? So I, I don't, I don't ever do a script. I I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, but what I gathered from what you just said, is that you're essentially Which I knew this before Essentially a social justice warrior Yeah totally That's, that's what you do You know what I mean yeah. There isn't a cause that you believe in That you wouldn't fight for
1: Absolutely yeah Okay
0: absolutely. So yep. So why don't you Why don't you tell us a little bit About those causes
1: Okay a- and, cool And
0: and, and there's, no, there's no filter here Fucking go at All it right. I don't care awesome. I don't I'm care totally I don't care what people think <laughs> I I, I plan on going left and right on this podcast. Awesome. But do what you're going to do. I could care less what people think.
1: All right. Awesome. I am very excited because I like to swear a fucking lot.
0: Do it. (laughs) I actually, my last podcast, I tried to promote it. Uh-huh. And, and I couldn't because I swore too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, right? We're going underground with this. We're promoting it however we need to. So I like to joke that um, I didn't swear for 20 years of my life, so now I'm fucking making up for it, right? Absolutely. So, um So for me, I mentioned in my story that I... Um, you know, I mentioned that I that I uh, was gay and a Christian, and and I struggle with the identification of Christian now, just because the word is like so bastardized, to be honest. Um, and so many people that claim that title look nothing like anything I would want to be associated with. Absolutely. But, You know, I grew up in this evangelical church system and I'll always be and I will always have that background and I have grown up and out of and beyond and all of these things, but I'll always have that background. So a quick note on what changed things for me, spiritually speaking, um, was I was in college, I was in my junior year of college to become a pastor. Uh, my, my degree program was pastoral ministries at a conservative evangelical college which happened to be located right outside of New York City which is I think what made the turning point for me. Um, but up until I went to that school I was, I was struggling with am I gay? And then when I was there I realized that I was gay. And that's really cataclysmic when you come from a conservative evangelical world because I really I I was so evangelical and conservative that I actually just for the first part of my life just kind of thought I was going to be celibate and be a missionary of some sort because it wasn't an option for me to like women wow. if I'm being completely honest that and is... I was sold out to that
0: yeah. I was okay oh my god that had to have been like crushing yes to, to be in a shell yep like absolutely oh my absolutely
1: god. And I drank the Kool-Aid so much. Like I really, 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 all of the good parts of my heart believed in that and believed in the positive opportunity of being a Christian. And and for so for me to come out, it was crushing. It was an absolute and utter deconstruction of my entire worldview because I had to be, I knew that I would lose everything if I came out. And I'm not speaking with hyperbole like, um, uh, I have a, I have a good relationship with my mom now. Man, I fucking love that woman. She is, like, I love her. She's she's one of my favorite people in the whole world, you know, um, and moms are always like a little bit crazy, but like, so are we, you know what I mean? So, right. but we've worked hard to reconcile, but at the time I came out, I knew I would lose my family. I knew I would lose any and all um, leadership positions I had on campus. I knew that I would not be allowed to um, help in any public capacity at school. And I knew that I would be sacrificing my career options, but but for me, as someone who, from the age of five, understood themselves to be called to be a pastor, I had to actually be willing to to, to all offer up my sense of vocation and calling on the altar of authenticity. And and so for me, it was a no small decision. Like I always laugh when people like insinuate that I'm giving in to my sinful ways. Like there was no giving in to being gay. Like I fought tooth and nail to have the identity I have right now. Right. And so what happened while I was at this school, um, I, I really, I can't fuck with that denomination anymore. Um, they are oppressive and they are misogynistic and they are homophobic. But one thing that my the, the, the denomination I was involved with, with wasn't is they were not racist and they were pro-social justice. And so, in the church I grew up in, which was in an area similar to Olean, I we didn't really talk about social justice much. Like we talked, my parents were always helping people and doing stuff, um, and they're very like good people, you know what I mean? But but we didn't preach about the ideology of social justice and. Um, when I went to NIAC, that was a term that started coming up in my head. And that's when the, the switch clipped for me. Um, like you said, of, of being that social justice warrior because it was like, it was as if I was in a dark room and a light bulb turned on. Um, it gave a scope and an understanding and an anchor to why I wanted to be a person of some sort of faith or religion. Because I believe deeply in the cause of social justice. And I believe that religion if played out in a vacuum in in a space where human ego didn't get in the way, the the main cause or the main purpose or function of religion is not the afterlife, it is creating social justice in the world we're in now. Like when people want to talk about the Lord's Prayer, like thy kingdom come, bro, it's not like it's not like take me to, to, to take me to heaven, take me to your kingdom, it's like yo, I'm gonna bring the kingdom of heaven to earth right here and right now. So those ideals of social justice and of equity and of taking care of the poor and welcoming the immigrant and loving the marginalized and forgiving the debt of the poor, like those are the things that would bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Uh, Now I'm like getting into preacher mode here, but (laughs) that's okay. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's when the switch turned for me and I just had so much internal dissonance because, because I knew I was gay but i also believed deeply in these things and so when i came out i essentially felt like i was sacrificing my sense of vocation not even occupation but absolute vocation like this is who i'm supposed to be in the world and that was Catastrophic, to be honest. Um, after I came out, I ended up in a period. It's a. It was about a three-year cycle of what's called adrenal uh, burnout. It's like a legitimate adrenal, uh, or it's a legitimate psychological condition where you just you literally push yourself so hard and so fast that you burn out all of your energy stores. Um, so I had burnt up all of the the adrenaline in my body and I entered just, well, I, the thing about adrenal burnout is you don't realize you're in it until you're in it. you know. Right. So uh, about a year and a half into adrenal burnout, I couldn't get out of bed. Uh, I couldn't function. I was like sleeping all day. I didn't drink coffee up to that point, but I had to drink coffee just to get up to go to class. Like it was massive. And I was just trying to get out of senior year. Um, I had come out. I was like, not, not speaking with my family. Um, you know, I, I, they had taken the money out of my bank account. My school had tried to kick me out. They put me in a single, so no one would catch the gay. Like it was just very catastrophic, you know? Um, yeah, it was wild. And I could go into detail about that, but, um, just another podcast, right? The whole point of what I'm saying there is, is I stripped down my faith to my non-negotiables. Um, what is it that I wouldn't give up on, even if the church gave up on me? That's another good one. That's like a quote. That needs to be put on a colorful picture. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And share on Facebook. Absolutely, yes. But, um, if you can see right here, I'm not sure. Can you see both of my knuckles in the frame? Yes. Okay, so um, these are my non-negotiables, right? I had to read the Bible in Greek and Hebrew, so I love anytime anyone tries to step to me about Bible and games, right? because I, I fucking read it in the original text. I'm always like, motherfucker, do you think that the Bible was written in English, bro? Like the King James Version is not the original version no, of the Bible, right? No. Like, what Swedish Jesus did not calm down from heaven and fucking use a big pen to, you know, to, to scribble out the Bible on college. Wait, Jesus wasn't
0: white. Oh, my no, God. Fuck that is,
1: right? like, fucking, <laughs> like Jesus was a brown fucking anarchist, bro. Yes. Like that was Jesus. Jesus is anti-fuck. I keep saying that just to rile people up. Oh, my God. But, but Jesus was anti-government. <laughs> Jesus was a brown man who was murdered by the government at the time because he was subversive to the government.
0: He's the, he was the, the original punk rocker.
1: Yo, Jesus was the OG DIY punk rocker. Yes. Um. And so when I boiled my faith down to that, right, I came back to these two concepts. This one says Shalom uh, in his biblical Hebrew. And so the idea of Shalom is complete peace, peace between God and man, man and man, um, man and the earth, God and the earth, like complete and utter peace. And this one is agape, um, which is like perfect, never ending love. And I believe that if you're working towards those two ideals, I really can't fucking think that you're doing wrong. You know what I mean? If those are your non-negotiables, I don't think you're doing wrong. And, and so that's kind of what led me onto this social justice path, was working to bring Shalom and Agape into the world now. Um, and so from that moment on, I have just been really super dedicated to, to doing social justice work. I worked as a social worker for almost a decade because I felt disenfranchised from the church and I realized that I could employ all of those practicalities um, in a social work field. I did burn out because social work is hard, man. Yeah, like, you don't just... Sure. Yeah, like, the, my first day as a social worker, I ended up cleaning up a, he- a bowl of human urine and um, having to help extricate, like, uh, pills from someone's vagina. Like, it was just serious. Oh my like, god. It was my fucking first day, bro. You know what I mean? Jesus. Uh, but, like, but, like you know i also got to sit with that person i got to drive her to her methadone clinic and we had like this really honest conversation when she was lucid on the way and i was just like trying to talk to this girl and it turns out that you know we went to the same high school and she was only like a year year older than me i think and just some things got really fucked up for her and she was you know battling with addiction and to be honest with you like i don't know if she's alive today and I, i hate to say that but like That's the kind of work that I think it fucking Brown, punk rock, anarchist Jesus would be totally vibing with in 2020. Um, And so for a while, I called myself post-Christian. I don't really know how to describe what I am right now because language fails me in this point, but what I am is someone who will tirelessly work for social justice, tirelessly. (sighs) And most recently, we've seen that play out um, as being a part of, um, you know, being a part of the Black Lives Matter movement uh, nationally, uh, protesting regularly, all these sorts of things. Um, but then I've also been working with a group of people um, to to facilitate an organization called the Only and Regional Justice Coalition. Um, we are a group of like a super intersectional group, like I can't even, uh, like our, our makeup is so funny, but just a completely intersectional group of people that are working towards social justice in the Olean area. Um, we've been protesting weekly for about two or three months now. Uh, we decided to protest every Tuesday up until the uh, till the presidential election. We were registering voters. We had census enumerators there. Um, we Olean Regional Justice Coalition was actually integral in um, in getting the first black alderman um, elect. Uh, uh, not elected, he was appointed, but getting the first black alderman appointed to city council in Olean. Uh, We, uh, I personally, along with uh, the rest of the ORJC team, JC team drafted the diversity and equity committee proposal that was just passed. Uh, So a a proposal that I put together was actually like put into canon, I guess, of our local city government. Um, (laughs) so, So I've been working a lot on that lately, which has been fantastic but um i think one of the biggest takeaways from this year for me has been i caught wind of uh, of a local evangelical church uh whose pastor was actively and aggressively pushing hate speech out into the world in regards to both black lives matter and lgbtq individuals yes and call, as a call person of my practicalities call them out
0: this is ridiculous
1: yo and as a person of my practicalities That shit's fucked up. It's not going to stand. Not okay. Not okay. Not okay. And so I popped off a little bit. I'm not ashamed to say it. I fucking popped off Um, because for what's been happening is for, you know, for the past 10 years or so, I didn't talk about church. I didn't engage with church. I had had some, I had been, I had pursued seminary through the Episcopal church and I had hit some roadblocks there and it just wasn't working out. So I was like, you know what, whatever I do, like I got to be me, but it's not going to be within a church setting. But then this motherfucker gets up there and he's going <laughs> to pop off. He's going to get He's going to pop off and say Black Lives Matter is an evil organization and they are working for the demise of the American family. Um, you know, whatever, whatever. Like just flag- flagrantly racist and homophobic shit that this man is spreading. And so former, I popped former,
0: off. Former police officer.
1: Oh, we no, don't current actually. Oh, currently, is he current? Still, currently still on the books, yeah. Oh, fuck. Um, and so I was like, fuck no, this is not gonna stand because this joker has no theological education. And god damn it, my church that I came out of might not recognize me now, but they gave me this degree. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and, and so I popped off and I, I just in front in, in between guests, I went out in front of my salon and I made a video just from the depths of my heart. Um, and it's important to note, and not many people know that before this video. I hadn't spoken publicly about being an LGBTQ Christian in any substantial way for over eight years. Um, and I had been dealing with uh, dealing with my own spiritual abuse and spiritual trauma in counseling, like with my trauma therapist. And so I apparently must have unlocked something in, in my heart because I just stood up and like let it, let it come out of my mouth. Uh, you know what I mean?
0: Honestly, from that video, I think you unlocked something in a lot of other people too.
1: I'm good. I, 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 I'm glad, man. I really hope so because that was just like, that was every cry in my heart that I heard from the first time I realized I was gay up until I heard that motherfucker speaking. So, and just, so yeah,
0: I uh, I don't know if you know this, but I was attending that church. Oh. And I stopped the day you posted that video.
1: Shit, I didn't know that. My I man.
0: I didn't know that about him. Uh, uh-huh. I didn't uh-huh. know that and I was I was drinking the Kool-Aid.
1: Yeah, dude. Hey man, it's good Kool-Aid. There's a fucking sexy coffee bar. There's good yeah. music. You don't yeah. have to fucking dress up. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it is it's everything I would want out of church yeah. except for the bullshit. You know I d- what I'm saying? I didn't realize
0: that because I wasn't attending his like Facebook lives.
1: Right. You know right. what I mean?
0: And apparently that's yep. where the shit was happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. So many people came up to me and were like I actually so many people came up to me to be honest and were like yo i'm out like you're not you are not even close to the 20th person who has told me that they left after they saw that which like that was never my aim my aim in making that video tbh my honest aim was to speak about the evangelical church as a whole yeah because the evangelical church in america is fucking westernized bastardized um prosperity gospel, cisgender, heterosexual, fucking um capitalistic bullshit. Yes. The evangelical churches as a whole, and I'm not saying all evangelicals, because please understand me, I know a ton of good evangelicals who want to see the reclamation of that word, but in in a broad stroke, most evangelical churches in America are a bastardized version of what the gospel was meant to be. Yes. They are they are not attached church tradition they have no ties to the historical church and they have no oversight non-denominational evangelical churches have no one keeping track of what they're saying or doing yes i'm not a huge institution fan but bro it would seem to me that you should have some sort of oversight especially if you have no theological education
0: absolutely i mean at that point it becomes i mean just call it how it is a cult it is, yes. it is.
1: It's a cult of the sexy coffee bar, dude. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is, is like churches like like the one we're speaking of and the evangelical church as a whole tend to be the ones speaking the loudest with the most condemnation. If you'll notice yesterday, fucking Pope Francis, who's a gangster. Yes. Pope Francis, wrote, right bro? The Catholic church is directly tied to the Book of Acts church. The Catholic Church can trace its lineage all the way up from the the cross to the Vatican, right? And I'm not saying that institution is perfect. And I am not saying that sometimes there needs to be space for like ruach, which is like a Hebrew word that means like breath of life, basically. Mm -hmm. And sometimes institutions stifle that. But the Catholic Church has some sort of grounding. They have some sort of process. Right. And the head of the Catholic Church, who is deemed to be God's voice on Earth, who is deemed to be infallible, who has risen up out of this institution. He said gay people are humans and they deserve human rights. Yes. And then we got motherfuckers over here in their prefab churches that are prefab buildings with fucking McDonald's theology that they got from someone who got it from someone else who got it from a fucking little track. Absolutely. instead of the actual greek and hebrew they're popping off and telling people that gay people are going to burn in hell and that you should worship the badge oh. fuck that yeah fuck that i can't even i got to grab a delivery real quick yeah do stars. your thing do your thing so, huh? <laughs> you too <laughs> i'm at my place of business right now um, of course. <laughs> so yeah so so these people who have no theological backing And I'm not saying all evangelical pastors because some do like I've sat under some well-studied evangelical pastors who have doctorates who have at Masters of Divinity. But this motherfucker here? mm -mm, No, no, No. the Pope's going to come out and say it like I'm not even Catholic, bro. And I give credence to that because they are part of the historical church. Yes. And the mainline churches in America, uh, Episcopal, United Church of Christ, Presbyterian, um... Uh, I'm missing Lutheran. Like they're they're affirming, and they're not just tolerating. They are affirming LGBTQ individuals, LGBTQ leadership, racial diversity, social justice. Like this is not new. The majority of the church, if you want to look at it, the majority of the church has realized that there was that that, that, that there was errors in biblical translation mm-hmm. because of political agenda and yes. money. Yes. Um the majority of the church has realized bro it's cool gay people exist they are and they are holy and they are called and they are just like you and i yes. but then this sliver of, ev- uh, of evangelicalism and partic and it's not even all the evangelicalism if we're being really honest it's white american evangelicalism yes. it's a fucking cancer yes. and those are the ones with the megaphone screaming that people are going to hell Yes. And I'm sorry, but it's got to the point where even these, these American evangelicals are going overseas to press Western gospel on, on countries in Africa, on on countries in India, on, uh, on, on, on places in Russia. Like they're going over and they're spreading this bastardized white prosperity gospel and it's detrimental and it is harmful and it is damaging yes. to the psyche of our world. Yes. It's, it's mind boggling to me that the people who literally know the least are speaking the loudest.
0: Hey, that's, it's not okay. The, 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 the thing about it is, though, is people who don't know the truth are mm-hmm. people that are going to speak the loudest because you, I mean, I'll just, I'll, I'll quote my favorite redneck you, you can't uh-huh. fix stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know like you, you, you can't fix it you know
1: you can't you know what I mean and, and, and this is once again please understand I'm not saying that you have to have an ambassador of divinity or a doctorate of divinity I am not saying you have to have those things to have an understanding of religion and spirituality I'm not right but if you're going to lead a faith community if you are going to be an active participant in the 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 world at the moment, you should have some backing. Yes. You should have some understanding. You should have some training. And so, there are so many people that do, you know what I mean? To be honest with you, the president of the greater Olean area of churches, who is a Lutheran and Episcopal minister with her masters of divinity, stood up at the the Olean Regional Justice Coalition Justice Rally. She stood up in the park in front of everybody there and in front of all of the viewers and said, the greater olean area of churches welcomes and affirms lgbtq individuals yes
0: and that was an amazing amazing moment i I watched uh, it live that was amazing
1: i could have cried to be honest and i don't think i don't think i'm not sure if people realized how big of a deal that was but to be honest those are the churches the churches that participate in the goac are the churches that have connection to real church history yeah they're not the fly-by-night McDonald's prosperity gospel churches. I say McDonald's because it's fast, um, it is consumable, and it's really not substantial. Right,
0: and there's, I hate to say that. there's unfortunately a few of them in the Olean area.
1: Yeah, I mean, there. If you if you look up, if you, I could give you. I probably will have to send you some of these resources, but there are so many resources about how western, like western christianity is just pushed everywhere like i saw a post the other day and i was like it is racist i'm misquoting the post but the post basically said like you're delusional if you think that god only revealed god's self to a white american like african spirituality is not is you cannot write it off as witchcraft because God reveals God's self to people everywhere. The world was not waiting for the white man to spread the word of God, no. but the white man is the most comfortable with the megaphone.
0: Yes. And, I, I, think, and then, I, think the, the, I think the problem right now with our current state is from the top, you've got ignorance. Mm-hmm. And ignorance breeds ignorance. Yes. And unfortunately that line of belief Uh goes through to those same people with the mega it carries down, it, carries down. it
1: absolutely does it, that's that that is the only way that trickle down theology or theory has ever yes worked, absolutely right? absolutely never the money always the stupidity you know I actually have a little nugget that I've been learning about recently that I want to drop on you too in regards to evangelicalism and voting too because this is a pertinent topic I'll drop this link again to you but there's a podcast uh, called the evangelical vote I believe the podcast is this thorough line or through line I, I believe it's an NPR podcast. Um randomly I was listening to it and then one of my friends who I used to go to church with was on there, which was kind of cool. She's a she's a, a black awesome. evangelical social justice activist. Very cool. Her name's Lisa Sharon Harper. But in this podcast, they're talking about the history of the evangelical vote. Because I want you to understand that before the 70s, the evangelicals were not a voting block. They were turned into a voting block in the 70s. Yes. They were turned into a voting block to get Ronald Reagan in power. Yes. Um And before the 70s, evangelicals gave zero fucks about abortion. Mm. Zero. It was considered to be an exclusively Catholic issue. And so the evangelicalism that you're seeing being pushed as a narrative today... You know, one nation under God, red state, God guns in the Bible, pro-life, like that narrative that's all tied together didn't exist before a political group decided that they could use it to weaponize it, to get the vote in their favor, to get the Hollywood actor known as Ronald Reagan into office. Yes. And so, so there's so much happening there because, because so much of, of white Western evangelicalism is tied to poni- political manipulation. Yeah. And it's alarming and it's disheartening and it's discouraging and it's the furthest thing from the fucking gospel. The furthest thing. And I have to be real with you about some things. Like I went to Believer's Chapel before, like that kind of church is the church that i always wanted to lead and be a part of i enjoy the music i enjoy the worship i enjoy the sexy coffee bar i enjoy the atmosphere i love coming together and having that emotive experience with spirituality and learning and growing and building community Mm -hmm. if i could have that i would love to but a mind once it is stretched by new ideas can no longer shrink back down and so While I would love to be in that context, the only places that I can go to church, if I feel I can go to church these days, the only places I can go are mainline liturgical churches because their theology is so much more in line. And sometimes I, I appreciate the tradition of liturgy. Like I actually really enjoy repeating prayers together. I really enjoy the rituals of the service. Like I enjoy that, but there's always gonna be a moment where I am like homesick for the evangelical setting like that. But unfortunately for me, like I can't see God in those settings in the way I used to be able to. And I, um, you know, no shameless plug here. This is just really where my story's at. And you asked me to share my story. But at this point in life, after I made that video um, calling out evangelicalism, and to be honest, the video was about evangelicalism as a whole. And this local pastor took it about themselves personally, which says something about, yeah, I, they're, they're, I, they're, I hear guilt there, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Me thinks you are too convicted, right? What yeah. is it's like the telltale heart? You know, is the heart under yes. the floorboards? Um, but after that, um, I instantly reawakened to my sense of vocation and calling, and um, I'm a chronic doer and fighter and starter. Um, and so my lovely, beautiful, intelligent, sexy wife, I say that every time, um, as, you lovely, should. as I should, yeah. My beautiful, lovely partner, Elle, she usually reins me in because I would do everything if I could. And I would burn myself out as I did burn myself out before legitimate right. mental breakdown in my, in my 20th year of life. Um, but my wife who usually has to rein me back in looked at me after that video and said, like, you need to restart conversations. Uh, conversations is a young adult small group that I ran for five years previously. Um, it ran from about, it was roughly 2011 to 2016. Uh, we had a critical mass of 30 to 40 people. We met weekly. We had in um, spiritually minded co- conversations about life. That was it. Um, we would come together. I would facilitate a conversation. We'd have a jumping off point. We'd talk for an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, we'd, you know, do commun- like we'd do community building things amongst ourselves during the week. Every month we would serve at the warming house. Once a year we would go overseas and we would do some sort of humanitarian aid trip. So basically conversations was church without the bullshit. Um, that's the, that is the off book um, tagline for right? The conversations. <laughs> <laughs> the, the on-book tagline is Spiritually-Minded Conversations About Life. The off-book tagline is Church Without the Bullshit. But um, when I was parenting, that kind of, like, had to fall by the wayside because, unfortunately, I I wasn't being paid enough. The Episcopal Church paid me to run it for a while, but I wasn't—like, I the stipend wasn't enough to live off of, and I had to parent, and I had to work. So um, we put conversations on pause, but after that video, with the absolute deluge of messages I was getting, Elle looked at me and said, You need to restart conversations. She never tells me to start anything. (laughs) (laughs) And so that bore with it, like, a lot of weight, you know what I mean? So, um, I'm in this space now after that video, which was literally, it was literally, uh, a paradigm shift. It was a split in history. It was, uh, an actual dash on the timeline of my life. Um, and I re- instantly reawoken to my sense of vocation. Um, so I've restarted conversations, um, right now in the age of COVID conversations exist as a digital space. Um, I have the page Conversations Official on Facebook, where I post like official announcements. I post our live videos. I do weekly videos and some morning chats as well. Um, And then there's a Conversations Official group, which is our digital dialogue. That's the space for anybody to post anything that we, that we want, that they want to engage with someone else intellectually about. Um, there is no prerequisites for joining. Um, there is no requirements about certain types of faith. When I say spirituality, I just mean thinking about things on a non-material level, deeper differently, what have you. So we have the Conversations official Facebook page, the Conversations official, um, Facebook group. And I also started a Conversations Official podcast recently, so I'm taking all of the talks that we do and putting them in podcast form so that people can access them that way. And there's a YouTube channel so people can access the videos that way. So I'm trying to create this digital space and this digital congregation, if you will, um, because it's COVID. So um, the local Unitarian Universalist Church has approached me. They've had me preach before, and they've approached me about maybe um, hosting conversations in the future. Um, I am currently waiting on the return of my application from seminary. Um, I've applied to uh, start my Master's of Divinity study, and I'm working um, with the um, United Church of Christ towards ordination in their denomination because they are one of the first uh, mainline churches to embrace LGBTQ individuals. They are literally, their whole denomination is about social justice um, and they believe in me. And it's been a minute since someone has believed in me, you know, um, in that sense. In that sense, right. Yeah, so I'm hoping to um, start well, I already have started a digital conversation and a digital safe space and a digital congregation. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to meet in person soon. But I think that is what the world needs now because there are so many social justice woes in our world right now. There's racism. There is um, there is there is homophobia. There's transphobia. There's Islamophobia. There is, um, you know, all sorts of just uh, socioeconomic divide, uh, there's generational poverty, there's genocide, like there are all these things that need to be worked on. And so for me, um, I think creating a community that inspires people to work, to be their best selves, and then to use those best selves to create change in the world, to bring about social justice, like that's where I see my place being. And so that's where I am now as a person. Um, And it all started, well, I mean, arguably it all started when I was five years old, standing on my grandparents' steps, holding an upside down orange Gideon's Bible, um, giving a sermon. And I literally passed around a bowl, a dinner bowl as an offering plate. Like that's, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid for that long. I felt this sense of calling for that long. Um, So arguably it started there, but definitely since that video, um, which got 10,000 views, I never knew that it was going to get 10,000 views, but it did. And, um, and here we are, you know what I mean? Um, I that's, that's where my heart is. That's where I'm at. And I just hope that this, this conversation, um, reaches out to somebody, touches somebody, gives hope to somebody Absolutely. that the people with the megaphone really shouldn't have it. Right. And the people that have always been in the streets doing the work are gonna keep doing it. And by that, I mean I mean the, the Episcopals, the Lutherans, the Catholics, those people have been doing the work there. Um, like like um, Reverend Kim Rossi said, she said, the church just isn't used to saying we're here, look at us, but I'm saying they're here, look at them. Right. Uh, and, and I'm encouraging people of diverse backgrounds to join because like, this is a work that needs to be done and you can have a religious and spiritual home and be a diverse intersectional person. Absolutely,
0: all right. So I feel like I could listen to you talk all day, um, <laughs> but I'm sure there's other things that need to happen today. Um, yes. So, yes. to be honest, I want to have you on again because I I'm feel down. I feel like there's a thousand things we could talk about, and I agree with Absolutely. you on literally everything you say. <laughs> so, um, but I think I'm going to I'm gonna I'm gonna end it with that. Can I get right. you to? So you have so many things going on. I do. Can I get you to just send me in a message? Everything like uh, link wise, social media, yeah. everything. Um, and I'm gonna post it in the comments under this video so people can find you. Absolutely. Um, and with that, uh, this was Leo WT. Um, and this was the shit show, and it was amazing. So we'll talk. To, we'll t- we'll talk to you next time, Leo. We'll talk to you soon. All right. So that is that was uh fucking awesome
1: um to this out here i don't know where i'm putting it somewhere what do i
0: i'm still going because because i want to um all right so all right. So, you can see my Discord there. I'm going back to here. Okay. So, that was a lot. That was a lot. Um, and the big thing, the big takeaway that I want to that I want to show from this is everyone has a story, okay? Everyone has a beginning. Everyone has a struggle. Everyone faces adversity okay it's how you react it's how you maintain it's how you continue through that adversity to become the person that you are today okay and Leo is a perfect example of that They started at the bottom, and now they're here, as Drake would say. Um, And and I'm going to end it with that. Um, But I just want everybody to – I want to leave on the note that – and I can't stress this enough. No matter where you're at right now, 2020 is a shit show, okay? And I want to let you know, no matter what is happening – You're going to be okay, okay? You're important. You're going to make it through this. There's a thousand, million people that are going through what you're going through right now. Find them. Speak to them. Be open. Be honest. We're all in this together, okay? And that right there is what I have to say about 2020. And that was the shit show.
1: This has been the conversations podcast. Thank you so much for joining the dialogue. If you have any questions or comments on the episode, about conversations in general, or just need some safe space to talk, join the digital community on the Conversations Official Facebook group and Facebook page. You can also find us under Conversations Official on YouTube and Instagram. And of course, please take a second to rate, follow, and share this podcast so that we can continue to build the conversation. I'm Leo WT. Thank you so much for listening.